Hello everyone, this is your girl Donna D, aka The Urban Mommy, and I am back with another podcast. Today I am joined by Miss Alicia James. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for coming. So, let's jump right on in. Let's tell everyone who you are. Tell us a little about you. Okay. So, I am a crazy mom of three girls. They are 10, 8, and 6, so I have my hands full, and my life is a sea of naked Barbies and uh, Bath and Body Works sprays. Um, I am a business owner. I own a couple of businesses that I run full-time around trying to be the best mom I can be. I am recently divorced, so I'm kind of just stepping into that that single mom lifestyle. Um, I do have, you know, I have a good partner. Um, he, well my uh, that my kid's dad is very he's amazing um we split custody 50 50 but it still means that 50 percent of the time is all mom so um it's a juggling act isn't it definitely is so about that co-parenting so how 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 did that work so let me be completely (laughs) honest so on my end I don't really have any co-parenting going on. So I get to make all the choices, all the decisions. Everything falls on me. So tell me about this wonderful life called go- co-parenting. Ooh, okay, so wonderful <laughs> is um, it's its own, it is its own mess. I mean, on the one hand, he is he's a very engaged father. He has the kids half the time. Um, we have a set schedule that's really consistent. Um, you know, there are some pros to it, but there's also, you know, we still have to figure out how to deal with our own marriage that fell apart, right? That we had to end and still have to figure out how to parent together when we do have two very different parenting styles. I'm much more like, I like the plan. We have bedtimes, we have schedules, we have activities, we're doing all the things. And he's much more like, now bedtime somewhere between 8 and 9 30 for our six-year-old and it kind of depends on what we're doing and I'm like oh my god uh, mostly because you know <laughs> the next morning the six-year-old has to come back to me and she's freaking exhausted right so it's um actually I mean while in some ways it's it's really easy because I do have that support system it also is really hard to like put your own ego aside and have to figure out how to communicate with somebody that realistically we haven't been communicating well for the last few years because you know we otherwise we would still be together good point so (laughs) (laughs) with working i noticed you said that you are an entrepreneur did you try the traditional work life first or did you just jump into entrepreneurship I always knew I wanted to run businesses, but I didn't quite know what that was going to look like. So um, it feels like a million lifetimes ago, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter and um, was working for a big corporation. I was moving up the ladder. I was traveling the world. I had an amazing job, Um, but I got put on bed rest for eight weeks, which as a first time mom is super scary. I had an amazing boss at the time who just said, you know what? I don't want you to use all of your your time off to be on bed rest and then have no time with your baby. So why don't you try working from home? And I could do my eight-hour-a-day job in four hours, take a nap, a nice long shower, eat a snack, and watch Law & Order for the afternoon. It was amazing. And then when I had her, naturally, they wanted me back in the office. 
And knowing that I could do my eight hour a day, eight hour a day job in four hours didn't make a difference. So I walked in one day, put in my two weeks notice, came home and then told their dad, my, my daughter's dad, um, yeah, I quit today, by the way. And we have to figure out how to make it work. And I started, um, you know, I, I tried a bunch of different opportunities. Some of it was direct selling. Um, and then some of it was stuff that I created on my own. So I created a marketing agency when I left my corporate job to pick up some of the work that I had been doing before. Um, cause they didn't have somebody else that could do all the things that I could do. So started doing some freelance work and that grew into taking on more clients as those executives moved around and eventually started picking up projects directly from small businesses around me when my all three of my kids were starting were getting started with school I realized that I really like working from my couch in yoga pants like who wants to wear real clothes if I don't have to (laughs) so so I um I really doubled down in January of 2020 thinking you know this is where I what I want to do I want to work for myself I want to continue to do these things and then I can still be classroom parent, and I can still do the preschool drop off and all the things that matter to me as a mom. Um, and then I don't know if you noticed, there was like this big pandemic in 2020. Like there was, it was a little blip, right? Like, I think I remember. Yeah, it was a little vague. Um, <laughs> you know, we really focused then on what does it mean to help a small business and taking the next right step and our market loved it. And we quadrupled in size in a year. And all of a sudden, my little side hustle around um, around my kids' nap schedule and 5 a.m. conference calls with Australia, all of a sudden that became my full-time gig and it helped to support um, our family at the time. And then now it supports me and the three girls all the time. Wow, that's awesome. Do you do classes? I do. I do coaching. We do classes. We have um, whole marketing programs. So I really wanted to build something that would allow me to help other small businesses and especially other moms. Uh, my entire team um, is, is while well, most of us are women, um, historically, we've all been women or moms and we all work around our own schedules, around our kids' sports schedules. Um, you know, my VP is a homeschool mom, which I think she's a superhero because, girl, I can't wow. do that. I mean, <laughs> right. But she's able to do all the things that I need her to do as my VP, all while taking care of her family. And I feel like if that's the way that business should be run, it should support families, not try to tear them apart. And if that means that I'm going to teach somebody to do their business or do their marketing on their own, great, so that they can keep more money in house. If it means they need to outsource it so they have more time with their family, I'm here for that too. Okay, and I was getting ready to ask about the outsourcing. So that's, I mean, it's, it's, it seems like it's a little easier now to do outsourcing if you have like agencies. Yeah, I think so. It really comes down to a choice. You know, finding the right agency is, it can be difficult, but an agency should essentially be invisible to your followers and to everybody that's interacting with your business. No one should know that Alicia James is behind your social media. It should feel and look like Donna. And so I think um, vetting the right person is important, but I also think there's so much value in being able to just let go of it and not having to be chained to your phone all the time. I mean, who wants to sit at their kid's baseball game and be having to field, um, you know, Facebook trolls because they can't, if you let it sit too long, it just sits there and explodes. 
So it's about having the flexibility to walk away. And I feel like that is so valuable as a parent. That definitely is. It's it's a huge difference. What advice do you have to like a mom that is thinking about making that jump from the traditional nine to five to entrepreneurship? Oh, um, my biggest advice is take the first step. You know, it's not always going to be, you're never going to be ready. There's no such thing as ready. Just like you were never ready to be a mom. Like every, as much as you prepare, no one is ready. And I think that first step is the scariest. Surround yourself with other people who are supportive. Surround your, find those mentors, find those people who are taking that first step with you and just hang on for dear life because it's going to be a wild ride and it's worth it. You just have to have that one moment of strength to just take that step. Yes. And I think that's big, just having the, the confidence to do it. And then, but like you said, you did it and you, you did really well. I did. And I know that not every, not every entrepreneur journey journey is like mine. I mean, I've had a number of businesses over the years. Um, ones that I ran with business partners, ones that I did on my own, ones that were part of a direct selling business or a a network marketing business. Um, and some of them I closed, you know, I owned a commercial bakery for a while, which was wonderful. I loved cooking and I loved baking. And then I burned myself out and I decided to close and that's perfectly acceptable too. It's okay to decide that an entrepreneurial journey needs to come to a close. It's a huge opportunity to make the choice for yourself versus somebody else dictating how and when you're going to work. I just, I think there's so much power in choosing what your day looks like and what your business looks like and what things you want to invest time in and don't. And you can only do that by being an entrepreneur. So true. You lead me to my next point, which is burnout. Oof. (laughs) <laughs> one's a hard one mm-hmm. have you ever been in burnout like that is a ooh, that I was, season I was literally considering signing up for 60 days in yesterday uh yeah <laughs> it is there is nothing like entrepreneurial burnout or a parent burnout or mom burnout or that feeling of just I cannot get out of this I don't know what to do it feels like everything is hard And I know I hit a really bad spell of it as I was, you know, transitioning to moving out on my own, to being solo parent, to relying 100% on my own business and didn't really have a safety net anymore, right? I don't have a partner anymore. I don't have somebody to help pick up the slack if I'm having a bad season. So um, the biggest ways that I find to deal with burnout is one, to see it coming before it really starts to take over. There there is a part of you that knows when it's starting to feel like it's burnout, whether that feels sluggish or it feels like you're um, procrastinating on things that used that used to not cause you to slow down. If you're starting to struggle with writing your own content, if you're starting to struggle with um, making those phone calls or making those connections, that's a sign from your body that like it is time to start slowing down. That's where things like self-care comes in. And I'm not talking about just bubble baths and spa pedicures. Like, those are great. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan. But (laughs) sometimes self-care looks like, okay, I need to turn my phone off tonight. And I need to not touch this. Or I need to look for some help. Or I need to talk to a coach. Or I need to talk to a mentor. Or 
I need to walk away from this for a while and I need to put it on autopilot a little bit. Um, we do the same thing when we're a parent, right? Some days you are just burned out. Like I can only cry in the kitchen so many times before you're like, okay, I have a problem. So that's when we find a sitter or we get some help or we reach out mm-hmm. to a mom friend and we're like, for the love of God, can we come play at your house? And by play, I mean, I'm going to sit at your kitchen table and not talk to you and drink coffee for an hour. <laughs> can we do this? Right. I think finding those spaces where you can step away and just refocus and then finding whatever tools you need to be happy and safe and rebuild that confidence. Because that's the other thing that breeds burnout is a lack of confidence, right? Where it feels like you're doing all these things and nothing is working. Maybe it's refocusing. Maybe it's finding that tool that makes you feel confident. Right. Um, You mentioned something inside of that. You spoke about, you kind of spoke about boundaries. Oof. (laughs) How I am not. I was the first to admit that I am getting better at boundaries. I was not always good at them. You know, I wanted to be the giver. I want to take care of everyone. I want everyone to be happy, feel taken care of and supported. But I was doing it a lot of times at the cost of myself and giving up my own space, my own mental well-being, my own joy, just to make sure that somebody else felt more comfortable. Creating those boundaries is what helps keep you from jump or diving into that burnout phase. It's what keeps you sane. It's what also keeps your business and your kids learning what a boundary is. I mean, if we are bad at it, who, what are we teaching? So, you know, sometimes that means for me, I even learning to set boundaries with my kids. You know what? Mom is overtouched. I have a boundary right now. I need a bubble and I can give you a hug real quick, but you cannot hang on me. Like I, my body is my body right now. Or sometimes that's a boundary with a significant other. Um, or that's a boundary with a business partner. Like I cannot do this today or I need your help because I can't today. Um, setting those boundaries or even how we allow somebody to speak to us. I was amazing at setting boundaries for clients on how they can treat my team. You know, I have fired clients for treating my team badly and just saying, this is not acceptable. You do not get to treat my team this way. This is where we end. I'm refunding this amount of your contract and our contract is now closed. We're done. And it's a powerful feeling and they feel empowered because I'm willing to back them. But there had to be times where I had to, you know, fire or end relationships because my boundaries were kept getting crossed and I could not, I could not maintain my own well-being without enforcing that, that boundary. And unfortunately, in my case, some of those boundaries meant ending a marriage and by doing that I I caused a lot of turmoil right it was it was a big change for my family and for my kids especially but I know now that the boundaries I enforced were things that were really important to me that needed to be there to protect myself and to take care of myself and had I continued to not enforce that boundary I can't tell you how far it would have dragged me down. I mean, I was not in a good place when when that had to end. Yeah, it, it takes a lot. Did you grow up as a people pleaser? Oh, I'm a I'm a perfectionist. I was oldest daughter. I was um, valedictorian of my high school class. I graduated college in three years because you know that's what the smart, driven people do. 
right? Like I, I always wanted to have perfect marks. I wanted to be the person that was always delivering. I was the speaker for every class project. Like if it was a way to prove to somebody that I was good or I was behaving or I was doing what I should, uh, you better believe I was the front of that line. As a perfectionist, I know sometimes it's hard to delegate. So it's interesting you have an agency. I'm sure you had to make a lot of changes. It was hard in the beginning. Um, I was the grace with an amazing team and I was able to attract some incredible talent. But one of the things that I did really early on to help make my team feel supported and still enforce those those good team boundaries was I spent a lot of time and effort um, building what I call what, what our core values were, how somebody is treated as a customer with us and how somebody is treated as a team member with us. You know, there's expectations. We're always learning. We're always giving each other the opportunity. We're leading with grace. You know, that perfectionism is uh, trying to be perfect is a drug right? Like we can't stop. Instead, can we create a space where it's okay to make a mistake and then make sure that we figure out a system that will make it so it doesn't happen again. And that made all the difference, at least for us, in our growth. I literally, like literally just found out that I was a, that I am a semi-perfectionist. And oh, I say no. semi- Is that a hard one? Oh my, I say semi because I guess I'm not, the, you wouldn't think, I don't have the typical, like I don't always have to be the best, but it's just the unrealistic expectations I put upon myself. It's a lot of them. I mean, I'm usually to the top if I'm not the best. I guess I, I don't really have the competitive spirit, but I do have that in, I am a perfectionist. I literally just found this out like, just I just got two books on Amazon yesterday because I'm like uh uh at least I finally know (laughs) yeah I finally know what the problem is and that's that's what I was saying that's why I asked you about the delegating because I'm always creating all these businesses but I'm like I do everything by myself because I'm just like I just don't even think like I don't think anybody could do what I do but that's just that perfectionist in me that I did not know I had in some, in some ways, it made me a better teacher because I so badly want everybody to have the skill that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of my perfectionism and how much I beat myself up to be good at something, it also then feels like there's not a lot of value in that because now I can do it so well. I can do it to a level of perfection that like there's no value anymore because now I can do it. Um, it yeah. made me for a long time undersell myself and Mm -hmm. not charge enough for the services that I was offering. Mm. Um, You know, I would go to meetings and I would see other marketing agencies and we would talk pricing. Like, how much are you charging for a new website? How much are you charging for social media content? What are you doing for engagement? And I was a quarter of what they were charging. I mean, I was low in the very beginning, but I'm like, but it's so easy to me because I do it so often. I've done it so much and built it so many times. It just feels simple how can you charge that much and how do you have clients that are paying that much and it almost being a perfectionist almost seemed to teach me to devalue myself because I spent so much time and energy perfecting that it became easy and you are 
like absolutely i'm telling you i keep having a revelation like every day because i literally do the same thing and i have been doing i guess you can call marketing things but i because i have that perfectionist and be and i think oh this is just normal They're like oh donna can you do a website for me okay i could do a website for you and i'm doing websites and i'm running social media i'm like hey this is a job yeah <laughs> but this is, i have this is like a gig <laughs> yes and i'm like and i like you said i don't even want to hear how much people are paying because i'm like literally just doing websites like it's nothing like oh, it's okay i'll do it for you yeah i'll just do it but, as a favor i'll have it done next week and yeah. there was a lot of times I would just give away what is valuable advice. You know, I I work really hard to be an expert in my field and I so badly want everybody to win um, because I love my clients or I love the people I'm connecting with. All of a sudden I realized I was giving away really valuable advice and that which they were taking to their own agency or to the other company they were working with. And going, hey, I have this great idea. This other marketing company, she told me we should do it this way. Okay, one, that's not a client I wanted anyway, right? <laughs> if they're going to just take right. the advice and run. Right. But also, you know, I I undermined my own value. Yeah. And, and it's heartbreaking when you, the, now I see other people doing it and it just breaks my heart. I'm like, honey, you are, you are worth so much. You're putting yeah. all this time and energy into somebody else's business. What are we doing? Let me let let's build this for you, so you can right. make this viable, and you can do this just because you love it. But you can also get paid and support right. your family. Right, and that's that's pretty much me um, doing the same thing. And I thought it was like I always thought like it's just. And then when I learned about imposter syndrome, <gasps> I was like, I think that's what I'm dealing with. And then I learned okay. yesterday about the perfectionist. I'm like. <sighs> I need to that go back perfectionist to and the imposter syndrome go hand in hand because if yeah. you think we're not perfect, it makes it almost impossible for us to move forward with something if it's not perfect, if it's not right, if it's not easy. And it just, it blows my mind how many incredibly professional women or professional moms or people that I look up to struggle with it because I'm looking up to them going, oh my gosh, you are like a god in the business. And they're like, oh my gosh, I struggle every day. I can't look myself in the mirror some days. What do you mean? And then I have people come up to me and say the same thing. And it just throws me because I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm a mess. I am I am the worst kind of business owner. I'm the worst mom. What do you mean that you look up to me? That's true. Um, in fact, mine is so bad. Like I said, I was doing all that stuff, you know, just doing it anyway. I saw an ad on Facebook. You know, Facebook is a spy. Oh, yeah. I saw, I saw an ad on Facebook about a white label marketing agency. Mm -hmm. And I was actually considering doing that just to give myself some extra, I guess, credit. But I'm like, why am I doing this? And it, it just shows you how bad we have it up here. Oh, yeah. Like they won't see my value, but somebody else will, they'll see that company's value. So if I just work under them, like it just, it's amazing the a million little ways that we undermine ourselves and that we cut ourselves down. Um, whether it's in parenting, in business, in family, in relationships, ways that we almost self-sabotage because it's like we're, we're afraid of our own success. 
That is crazy. And I just, I guess I kind of wonder, like, where does that come from? Um, so everything I've learned about imposter syndrome and everything else really comes back to safety, right? Like we are safe if we don't make change, but by nature, entrepreneurs have to change. We have to take a risk. And the caveman brain says, you can't do that because you'll die. Right. So our bodies and our minds find a thousand ways to self-sabotage. So we stay in our safe little circle. I heard this amazing quote yesterday, earlier this week. Um, Most businesses find a natural cap where they feel like they can't go any further. And it usually has the same financial barrier as how much they were making in corporate or in their past job. And that rocked my world. Because I noticed and I started thinking about that every single time that I felt like I hit the ceiling and I can't go any further and I can't make any more and I I can't do better. It always comes at like a financial point where it's as much value as what I was making in my corporate days. Wow, that's that's crazy. The the ceiling that we put on ourselves. And it just, and it never occurred to me that it was the same spot. And now that I'm noticing and I'm going, oh my gosh, but what do I do when I start hitting that cap? I start letting things go. I start trying to change the system. I start trying to do different things that I know are not necessarily feeding the growth. Or I step back and kind of all of a sudden get that self-doubt going again. And it ends up exactly where I was before and then kind of rebuilding back to that cap and then self-sabotaging again and building back to that cap and self-sabotaging again and it just it was so eye-opening to start thinking about that when you look back is there anything that you would have done differently this is a really hard question for me because really no I wouldn't change anything because it would change everything Mm -hmm. I love the life that I have. I love my children. I love my businesses. I love my projects. I love my charity events, things like that, that I do. One single change in that butterfly effect would ruin it all. And I wouldn't give up any of it, even the horrible seasons. I think we have to fail in order to succeed stronger. That's true. That is very true. So uh, going back to your kids and being a recently divorced mother I don't want to say single parent because you're not a single parent but you're a parent that is single right. um, <laughs> 50% of the time we'll go with that, yes. that. <laughs> right uh, so how do you think about a future in dating do you think that you can date again and it, it's difficult when you have kids and you have not that girls are different than boys but I think it is a little when you have girls because I you know I have a daughter and it's like you have to make you can't just make choices for yourself Right. So I have started dipping my toe into dating, which is, um, man, dating in your thirties is a trip. Like it, oof. And, um, the, my experience in dating was really limited. I met my significant other. I met, we met when I was 15. We were together 20 years before we got divorced. So my entire adult life was with this other person that now is not a part of my romantic life. So um, apps are interesting. Dating is interesting. Um, it's really like trying it for the first time for me. I think I am really hesitant to let somebody in, right? Like 
it's going to take me a long time. I've had one person that I've been with for a little while. He's met my girls, but it's been very limited or like coming for dinner and then bye. See you later. Um, but I feel like to a degree, I have to be careful because the example that I'm setting for what dating looks like is also what they're going to take as normal. Um, their dad started seeing somebody two weeks after I moved out and they're engaged six months after that. You know, that's, that to me feels terrifying and not to say that it doesn't work for them and I'm happy that they're happy. I look at that and I'm like, holy crap, that is, that is scary. I can't imagine letting somebody in like that yet, much less somebody in that closely to me, to be part of my kids' lives. Um, it's a, oof, I am not ready for real serious, crazy relationships, man. I'm not. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's tough. And um, where, where, where do you live? What state? Michigan. Michigan. Okay. I learned yesterday think though that's today that there is a difference in dating north versus the south yeah i tell me i now i'm now i'm really curious she's she said that people in the south don't really date they don't do traditional dates so and one of my questions to her was i want to ask like is the art of dating dead and she was like she feels like it's dead in the south she said they don't date often she said, but in the North, she said, it's much different. She said, we went on dates. We did this, we did that. And I've heard that a couple of times. So I'm like, it's weird, but it's it's pretty much just like you said, what your, your, your ex, you, y'all know each other since y'all were 15. So a lot of times we have somebody that we are with and we go out with them a couple of times and then we go together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... So, uh... Uh, the, oh, man. And so I feel like, especially for me, I've been very intentional about trying to understand what I want. With having been with the same person for so long, you know, there wa- there wasn't anything else. There wasn't any differences. So, you know, what what am I looking for in a partner? What am I looking for in somebody that I want to keep around long term? That's been a really hard thing to wrap my brain around, partially because I just don't know what's out there. So, um I don't know if it's different in the, in the, you know, North versus South, but man, I am not rushing into that whole, like I'm with one person and this is our, like, I don't think so. I would rather get to know and kind of be friends with and spend time with and make sure that I actually like this person before I consider keeping them around for a while. I agree. I wish, um, I mean, luckily I don't have to deal with that, but I'm just glad that I'm not in that. I don't have to do the dating thing because from what it seems like, even though we don't date as much here, for what it seems like, it seems like the dating pool is, it's, it's a little tainted. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's definitely interesting. I mean, realistically, the people who are dating have either been at, in my age, right? Have been in some kind of long-term relationship for a while or before and are divorced or have kids. I mean, it's, it's certainly, um, it's a pool of very unique characters, right? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> um, but do you ever see yourself possibly in love again, getting married maybe? Um, I could definitely see it. Um, not for a very long time though. I'm very happy with the way that things are for right now. Um, and I'm still trying to get comfortable. Like I'm 
because my entire adult life was with one one person. That's true. Part of me doesn't know who I am by myself. Yeah. And I don't want to hinder my own growth and my own mm. understanding of who I am by saying, okay, I'm going to anchor myself to a person when I'm not fully developed as a human by myself right now. Right. So if, if you can be the author of your own life, where do you see yourself in about 10 years? Mm. <sighs> That's a good one. Um, I would love to be speaking. I, I would love to be like a motivational speaker offering just perspective, permission for people to walk away from um, from the life that doesn't suit them anymore. I mean, being able to walk away from a 20 year relationship and take a big risk and living on your own and having, you know, a business that ebbs and flows a little bit, that's never had to be fully relied upon making that the full time income. That was a big risk. And I think because I had a great community and a great tribe around me, it made it easier. I want to create that tribe for other people to be able to say it doesn't have to be the way everybody else is doing it. I can do it different. What were some of the effects that you saw? I know, I know you, we talked about it briefly and you said that people were upset when you, you walked away from 20 years. Uh, what were some of those effects that you saw come from making a decision like that because sometimes you got to put yourself first and like you say you have to set boundaries so how did you handle like some of those things that was coming up oh um there's a lot of anger that came from a lot of places and places i wasn't necessarily expecting um some of it was i understand you're upset but you don't get to direct it at me um some of it was i'm just gonna have to let this person be angry because they don't know the whole story mm. Some of it was um, creating physical distance, you know, physically moving out, physically creating a space between me and a, a person who I was really hurting. And it certainly was never the intention to hurt somebody else. But to your point, at some point I had to take care of myself and I needed that break. I needed this barrier. I needed this to end. Um, so some of it was boundary setting but some of it was just accepting that they're going to be mad and so long as it's not pointed at me you can be mad you can be hurt you can be any emotion you want but at the end of the day I still have to make this decision right okay so we are getting uh, close to our end time. Mm -hmm. They always go so fast. Um, <laughs> so I, I usually ask, but I kind of asked you this already about what would you, what would you I, I didn't say what would you do, but I said, what would you change? Oh. Wait, sorry. Still there? I, <laughs> I usually ask, what would, I forgot to put it up there. What would you tell your 17 year old self? But we, we kind of addressed that butterfly effect. So we wouldn't really change anything. So if you could talk to a 17-year-old teenager right now, what would you tell her about what she may be experiencing, what she may experience soon? Oh, you know, I love this question because um, while I wouldn't change anything, man, there was a lot of things that 17-year-old me thought was true. Um, I think what I would tell her is just enjoy the moment. You know, I was so busy for so long trying to be the perfect employee, the perfect mom, the perfect wife, the perfect everything that I didn't necessarily embrace every single moment. I was so busy thinking about what's the next thing I have to do. What's the next, you know, threshold I have to meet. And 
it made me not necessarily enjoy the amazing moments because I was, or, or even celebrate the victories because I was so busy thinking about what the next thing was that I had to do or I had to complete or I had to be doing. Um, so, you know, I traveled so much around the world, but it felt like I would now looking back, it felt like checking the box. Like, okay, now I've been to Asia. Okay, great. Now I've been to South America. Okay, great. Now I've been to Europe. And it didn't necessarily, you know, I took the picture of the Eiffel Tower, but I didn't stand there and stare at it. And I didn't enjoy it. It was like, okay, I got my picture. Now I need to go to the next thing I want to see. <laughs> that's that's true. I'm thinking about it. That's pretty much what I did. We took the picture. We did the little thing when you... Yeah. Oh, it's it's <laughs> my fingers, right? Yeah. We did that. We're like, oh, we got our picture. Next. But did you like stop and like, it's that I didn't stop and I didn't celebrate. Didn't like, enjoy it. I'm in a, I'm in a business. I'm in a job that lets me come to Paris. And I can blow off an afternoon and I can go see all these things and I can have this coffee and this bistro and I just didn't stop and enjoy it and celebrate it. Um, it's one of the things that, you know, now I want to go back to all the places that I was because I actually want to see it and not just look at the picture and go, oh yeah, I was there. Instead go, oh my gosh, there's this amazing story of this thing that happened when I was sitting here and just revel in that amazing moment. I wish I had done more of that. So I would tell her, pay attention, celebrate it, enjoy your moment. Enjoy the moment, I love it. What was your favorite place to visit? Ooh. Um, you could do more honestly, than one. It was, I, I think it was Notre Dame was my favorite. It was actually the only time when I really traveled where I just felt it. I didn't take any pictures in there because it felt disrespectful. Yeah. Um, I'm not Catholic, so, you know, it was just this beautiful space and the windows and all. It just was incredible. So I think that was probably my favorite. Um, uh, I mean, in the U.S., it would definitely be the um, the Grand Canyon, the South, the South Rim. Um, but I just love seeing new places. It's that new adventure now that I've realized, like, to stop and enjoy man, I, there is nothing I love more than to just travel or experience something new or how I love jumping in an airplane. Like, where are we going? What are we doing? I don't, you know, I don't even care. Let's just go. <laughs> if you can live anywhere other than Michigan, where would you go? Anywhere in the world, where would you live? I wouldn't. I would probably nomad. I would just travel constantly. I like having a home base. Obviously, I will be here because this is where my family is and my kids are at the ages there are, but I could see just jumping on a plane a couple times a month and just going somewhere new, seeing something different, jumping in the car and taking a road trip. I would much rather travel than anchor anymore. I love it. Last question. Yeah. Going back to, let's see, maybe 10-year-old you. Okay. If she had to look into a time machine and see you now what would she say um I I think she'd probably go man your life is cool <laughs> I mean I, I'm working from my couch in yoga pants and I've right. got three kids and I'm doing all That's the, the life. things I want to do I have complete control over my day I think she'd go she'd probably swear honestly because 10 year old me had a potty mouth she'd probably go <laughs> damn you are cool <laughs> 
that's funny. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, do you want to share your social media or anything you got going on with everyone? Absolutely. I would love if you would follow um, Alicia James on Instagram and Facebook. You can also search for Flock Her Way. Uh, that's my my personal brand. Um, Flamingo Consulting is our my marketing agency. I'd love for you to check out. Um, and if you are a woman in business, another thing to take a look at would be Kaleidoscope Effect. It's a partnership I have with a, a life coach and best friend. Um, we have a women's leadership event company, and we're really pushing the boundaries on living and leading authentically as women. You know, we don't have to do things the way that everybody else has. We can celebrate. We can be a leader in every form of our lives. It doesn't have to be the way that everybody has traditionally thought of a leader as in a woman. So I love it. Check okay. those out. I definitely check those out. Thank you so much. Thank, um, you. thank you, thank you, and thank you for being here. I really enjoy your your up. I love your personality, your your stories, uh, just everything about it. It's, it was awesome. And I know for a fact that the guests, that the guests, that the listeners are going to really enjoy this. And I hope they have taken something from this. Um, it's just a lot. I'm full because <laughs> I'm, I always get excited when I see other women out there doing their thing. Mm-hmm. It was so, so great to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Of course. Thank you. So. Again, you are, you guys, we are at the end of our show. I thank you all for staying all this way. I hope you learned something. Uh, make sure y'all leave a comment, y'all share, and y'all go follow. If the Lord says the same, I'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye. Bye.